welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Welcome to Practitioner Radio, episode 23 for the week ending March 10th, 2012. The fastest 30 minutes on ITSM Radio. Hey, it's Chris Tacey, and I'm here with my best, 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 smartest ITIL friend, Mr. Troy Dumoulin. Troy, it seems like Pink Elephant Pink 12 was last week, but it, has, has it been a month? I mean, time flies. It's been about two weeks, but it was good to see you in Ottawa. Yeah, just on Monday, actually. Yeah, I know. It's I, I couldn't. Well, you told me, then I'd forgotten. And here I am in Ottawa, Canada at ITSMF. A great event, by the way. And your session was amazing. Yeah, it was. It was decent as far as the uh, turnout. I was really pleased for the for the uh, local chapter there. We well, you know. Uh, I told them. I said, out of all the ITM uh, and Jack uh, from Pink is uh, on the board now in the USA. Um, isn't it Jack that's on the board? Yes, he is. Yeah. Out of all the ITSMFs, I thought that their one-day event, because it's my second year, I think is one of the more successful ones I, I can think of for a one-day event. Yeah, it's a real cool idea. You know, personal development day, and they bring in speakers from different topic areas, and uh, it's largely driven by the membership. Uh, so yeah, it was an honor to be there. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed your session, by the way. Big data and future innovation. Yeah. You, you made me think. Yeah, I, I try not to scare people. Uh, which, you know, I have to do even when I'm not speaking. So um, today... <laughs> That's true. I've got our topics right here. Hear that, Troy? Do you hear that? I hear it. The topic. The, the, these are the topics for today. So we're going to talk about... Um, we, we spoke about demand in the past, and I'm going to link to this. But during... The presentation, you, you had a couple things that you brought up that were kind of evolutions. If you were to take a lot of the things we've talked about, we've talked about the uh, the, the operating model, we've talked about the service management office, we've talked about catalog. But you had two, two slides in particular that I really wanted to focus in on today because I thought they were so smart. And don't worry, folks, if you click on the link, you'll see an actual picture of the slides in uh, the show notes today. But the three doors of demand were, that kind of like blew my mind because it's like, okay, just when I think, you know, you, you take it up a notch. Yeah, well, you, it, it, as you get more and more thinking about these things and on how they aggregate, you just think, oh, yeah, that connects to this and that just makes sense. So this is a new idea, uh, unique to to me as far as I, I'm aware, but it makes so much sense. And so that's why I've included now in my conversations around the demand channel. So the demand channel has... So you've got six items in this demand channel. Can you can you can you articulate if someone wasn't looking at what I'm looking at the, the idea behind the demand channel? Because you brought up a really interesting point about demand being in front. I don't want to steal all your stuff, but can, can you just get me going here? You got it. I'll provide two points of context here. So, you know, we've heard a lot of of in the past about plan, build, run. That's or plan, build, operate. Those are mm. common terms. Uh, but one of the things that you know, we've been thinking more about is this whole business and IT integration and how there really shouldn't be a separation of church and state there. There should just be business and there's an IT context to it. But the reality is one of the challenges that is that IT often is accused of not understanding business priorities. That's probably the number one criticism of IT from the business partner, business unit perspective. And often IT strategy is trying to guess at business direction. So there's this broken link between uh, business direction and IT strategy. So 
one of the things I've been doing explicitly is making sure that when we talk, we talk about this whole operating model concept, or just more simply the value system of plan, build, run, that we explicitly put demand, because demand should drive plan. And that, of course, drives build, which drives run. So putting that demand up front is a key component here, this business engagement aspect. And so I've been correcting myself, and I've been making this point that demand must precede plan. And it seems so obvious. Well, it does seem obvious, and it seems too obvious, because everybody talks about this, but no one ever, I mean, no, I've never heard anyone before you actually put the demand in front. So another thing we talked about in the last session is demand management as a process has three primary tasks, right? One is predicting demand based on past usage of capacity and service. So looking at my data and saying, here's what I predict future demand will look like based on this pattern and trend. Another one is creating compelling offers that will influence demand so that you'll you'll optimize the use of existing capacity and or allow me to plan for future. So that's influencing demand. But the third component which we're focusing on today is developing channels for the intake of new demand. And that's this concept we're going to talk about called the three doors of demand uh, that the visual on this uh on the show notes we'll provide. Yeah, because we we did cover that when we spoke about demand management. Like I said, there's a link already. Uh, the predicting the demand, the creating the demand. But it wasn't until I saw how you laid this out. So the the you know the pull versus push demand. And you line them up in three specific areas in these two columns. Mm-hmm. Requ- request fulfillment comes from service desk. So the demand comes from the service desk and goes to request fulfillment, the demand comes from service catalog and goes to demand management and back down to request fulfillment. And then the one I really liked was the demand comes from the business relationship management because that was my favorite job in the whole world. And it goes up to service portfolio and down to demand management. Yeah, so let's let's walk through this. Yeah, you, you do a much better job. So we have three types of demand. We have strategic demand, tactical, and operational. We'll look at it that way. All right. So what were they again? Strategic demand as a channel. Yep. We have tactical demand coming in through the service catalog, and we have operational demand channels. And you mentioned the concept of pull versus push. Okay, so a general lean principle for lean as far as a quality approach is that we only work on things which the customer values and the customer wants. So in essence, there should be no IT projects that doesn't have a business requirement behind it. Mm. Right? We shouldn't be doing things because we think it's a good idea and won't they love this when I bring this new toy to the table. Mm. No, if there's no problem statement, there's no business case for working on this unless we have understood this. So pull is I only work on things that are being pulled from the customer requirements. Push is I have an idea, build it and they will come. So a lean principle is to only work on pull, bring things into your value process that is only being demanded, is only being required by the customer. So if that's the case, then you have to have channels for that intake in place. So with 2011E, we have this elevation of the role of business relationship management, the one you were just mentioning a moment ago. And the idea here is is the BRM is sitting down with their business unit customer 
on a regular basis, but at least annually, right before budget time. And they say, okay, here are the services we provided to you last year. Here are new opportunities uh, that we see as possible new technologies, new markets to get into. What are your thoughts about this year's future consumption, this year's requirements for demand? And that conversation, which is a planning discussion, ends up with the BRM role receiving, in essence, the business requirements at that point in time. Now, it cannot just be annual. It has to be annual at least because that comes back and then that information is brought back into service portfolio management as a decision and prioritization mechanism. It, um, it provides information back into capacity and other aspects to ensure that you know, we're getting uh, procurement lined up for you know, the anticipated uh, peaks in demand we see coming from strategic requirement. But that's only the annual and the budgets are put in place based on that. Then they have to go back on a iterative basis, at least quarterly, maybe monthly. And this is this BRM role where they're coming back and they're meeting with the client on a regular basis to say, how's it going today? What are the new requirements? So this is just strategic channel for business unit demand. So that's that top level of the graphic there. Now, the very offers that I developed now in my catalog, remember we talked about influencing demand based on offers? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I'm listening to my client and I'm being criticized if I'm not doing this for not listening to them, I create and assemble offers in my catalog that make sense based on what they're saying they need. Now, this catalog, think of it as the portal or the website, right. is where we track actual orders against that demand. So that new requirement is published as an offer in the catalog. But now we can use the catalog for understanding tactical level demand. What I mean by that is this. So you've got a bunch of people coming to your catalog and ordering units of service. And you can see where the most popular units of service are because right. we have all these you know, hits on this part of my product catalog, service catalog. But no one's ordering these ones over here. So that begins to give me information about, okay, well, maybe I can standardize and remove these non-popular offers. So I'm reducing the complexity and increase my investment in this area over here on the catalog where I have a lot of high demand. So that that tracking of requests against the catalog allows me to now refine my offers, improve my standardization, improve the compelling nature of those offers, which are high demand, and remove the non-standard custom stuff. So that allows me to optimize, again, capacity and, and demand for future. That's that tactical level uh, intake coming through the catalog. So I think yeah, that, that was that was the, the part I was missing was that the tactical coming in via that channel, the strategic uh, and the operational lining up to the business relationship manager, the service catalog, and the service desk. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the third one is is the operational one you just mentioned, the service desk. So this is where people, this is traditional service desk. They're calling in, say, I don't like this, or I need more of that, or this is broken all the time, <laughs> and so. That kind of ground roots demand should filter up through request fulfillment into demand as well, because we're seeing a pattern of demand based on what things are popular, what things are broken, and we're getting that into our pipeline for future portfolio decision making. So now we've got three formal channels that are basically taking customer requirements and helping us to tweak and tune our offers based on business requirements, based on the push excuse me, not the push, <laughs> the pull concept of only working on things the customer needs and wants. Right. So this is a different way, or at least for me, a different way of th- wrapping my head around looking at 
all of those things, whether they be service catalog, service desk, looking at them from a demand, because again, maybe it was just my silo mentality, but I never thought about starting outside and, and saying, hmm, what do people really want? And traditionally, when when we're gathering this feedback, so um, from, so the we've got the, the business relationship manager handling this role up top. We've got the service desk listening down below. Uh, are there any lower levels where we could listen or or watch or is there anything kind of, you know me, I'm always looking for the crowd version of this. Is there anything that making noise that we could start to notice to maybe help figure out another channel of demand? Well, another channel of demand might be external to the organization. Mm, there you uh, go. It's, not, it's not where you were going. but No, I, but you got it. You got another one. Let's say external legislation, right? Yep. So there are just some things we have to do because you know, Uncle Sam or or Mr. You know, Harper here in Canada has said this shall be. And so there are some adjustments to our offers and our portfolio we have to do based on external things, even outside of business requirements. Or there's a new market that we have to overtake. But that would come in through the strategic BRM conversation. Yep, through the BRM. Yep. So uh, I like that. So literally, you could start to almost look at everything from a demand you know, your three doors of demand could, you know, end up being a lot of doors of demand. The key of being a service organization is that we only provide or we provide things our customers want. That's the base definition of a service in ITIL, right? Right. The thing is, we have to get away from this critique, which is valid in many organizations' cases, that we don't understand business priorities. Because, you know, Paul Wilkinson has this, uh, his ABC card deck, right? Mm. And is one of the <laughs> one of the cards in this deck that I love. It's a picture of... Uh, this guy in a suit, he's standing up at a whiteboard and he's showing this, there's two circles. There's one circle that's labeled IT strategy, plan, do, check, act. And beside it is another circle that says business strategy, plan, do, check, act. But the two things are kind of two circles, totally independent, swinging on their own axis. They're not connected, right? So this is the challenge when there's no formal channel for demand. This is what we do. We kind of churn on what we think our customers want. And no wonder they, they say we're not listening and we don't understand the priorities because this is the push mentality versus the pull. Yeah, and you mentioned in that same chat, you know, the, you know, the difference between you know, all these different things we're talking about now today with uh, DevOps uh, versus uh, the business and, and where these things are coming from. In some ways, I, I understand that it's up to us to listen for this demand. In the past, we've been, ex- or as you've said, we've rightly or wrongly or, or either way, have been accused of not of not listening. But in some cases, you know, in in the case you used of of the government, you know, it's we're not we we we're not going to listen to the customer. We're we're going to tell you what 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 it is and and you're going to accept it because that's the way it is. It makes me start to wonder a little about going backward, but let's not get all caught up there. <laughs> well, let's let's no, but let's take an example. Um so privacy legislation. Yes. Okay, so homeland security legislation. The organization overall is accountable for this, right? So it should be driven by the business side. Whether it's, you know, in Canada, we have the PEPIDA legislation, in the US, the home, Homeland Security. And those requirements should be built into the functional, non functional requirements of any new service requirement or project that's being envisioned. Uh, but often that sometimes is more aware on the IT system side. So someone will say, I would, I would like to do this. Well, 
that's okay from a functional perspective, but it contravenes privacy legislation. So we need to make sure that that's not the case. So that comes in through security, information security, for example, as an input into design. Now, in essence, there should be, in my opinion, one information security type of organization for the business in general, and a component or special part of that group will be have an IT specialty. But that's not how most organizations exist today. You have the IT security group and then the, the business security risk group. In essence, they should be one. Uh, and one part of it has a, a specialism in information systems. Is that what the um, those, those security um, certifications are on ISACA? Is, are that's what those are? Or, or am I in the wrong ballpark? Well, the security certifications make you think of information security, information data security uh, at a holistic basis. Okay. And so what you see is often professionals within the technical organization will go and learn about this stuff and become more aware of the legal requirements than their business counterparts. Mm. So it's not that it's an IT accountability, but often, sometimes the IT side is bringing to the business what should be owned by the business as an accountability. For example, we talked about this for business continuity versus IT service continuity. In principle, business continuity, BCM, or business continuity planning, should drive as a child process IT service continuity management. Because IT is only one component of BCP. Right. But often, in, in my experience, it's the other way around. The IT service continuity conversation starts and it drives the BCP discussion. Well, we think it does. Right. <laughs> oh. But it's in this case, we're... You know, we're basically driving the conversation that should be owned the other direction. When you know, we've got these new, these new, we're not new, we're talking about these channels of demand. The other thing I thought they brought up, you know, so here I am, I'm looking at all this demand, I'm thinking about how it fits and and where I need to listen and what it actually drives. But then you had this whole concept of engineered to order, made to order, or assembled to order, and you made a really good case for how. Not everything just needs to be this bespoke little snowflake that you ask for. And the difference between if we had some of these snowballs ready to go versus snowflakes and the risk involved there. Right. So the key word here is fit for purpose. Yep. And when we think about services we're providing and we're listening to business requirements and understanding functional, non-functional requirements, idle words, utility and warranty requirements, um, or we're thinking about processes this concept that everything has to be perfect is a bit false. In fact, if some people are into assessing, and I know there's this whole conversation happening on with this IT skeptic about the value of assessments, but <laughs> this this I won't get into that right now. I have my own view, but the reality is it's not true that all things, all processes must move to this Nirvana CMMI level five. In fact, that actually might denigrate some things as far as the value. And that was what was really interesting about this was, you actually made me believe that. Again, borrowing from a well-understood business or manufacturing concept, I have this concept that we're talking about now where something can be provided a service for the moment as an engineer-to-order type of maturity. What that means is you have a unique requirement, I have unique knowledge, unique skills, unique talent, and based on the two things coming together, every time we have a conversation, out comes a custom engineer-to-order uh, specification for that. So it's custom for you. And next time you come or someone else comes, even asking the same question, something subtly different <laughs> will come out. So I create new things that have never been you know, 
never existed in this world before by this engineer-to-order concept. What's interesting about that is, is as just a knowledge worker who receives you know, requests within my organization, I do that. Sure. I mean, some of it is like, okay, I can do this. This will be really quick because it's kind of like what I did last week and I borrow and put it together. But rarely do I have personal standard offerings. You know, it, it really made me wonder, you know, why am I recreating, well, not recreating when they will, but at least retreading it every two weeks. And that has a great value in that it's a unique offer. But the thing, at the, at the same time, you're creating a custom design every time. Yep. And as we add more and more custom offers, we have to manage the complexity and cost of everything being custom. Right? So that's the engineer to order. The next stage up this model is make to order. So it's called batching. So for the batch process, we do something similar. So project lifecycle. For the lifecycle of the projects, we will, we will operate like this. We will manage changes to the project design with these controls. But the moment the project or the batch is com- complete or you know, finished, we let those controls go because it was only for a limited lifespan. So we had consistency for the batch, consistency during the lifespan of the project. You follow me there? Yep. But then we go to back to engineer to order. Then we have this concept of assemble to order. Now, this is where we have, on a service basis, um, a core part of the service, which is predefined, but you have the ability to tailor up or down based on, again, predetermined options. So when you go to Apple's website and you start with an iMac, you can add more memory to it. You can add software to that standard offer. Well, well, just yesterday, you know, if you want to keep it real timely, I was on their site ordering an iPad 3. And it was like, first thing was black or white, just a great big picture. And the next thing was all the different uh, memory inside, right? And then it was Wi-Fi or 3G and Wi-Fi, and, or I guess 4G now. And then which carrier. So it was totally, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, but it didn't offer you the ability to add a toaster. No. Right? <laughs> so that wasn't a predefined option that was standard. No, iBurn I, I was actually when I clicked purchase. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you burned bad there, especially because you're on the cutting edge. Uh, yeah, I have no kids. What are you doing? Know, these machines will take care of me in my old age. And I was watching the, the, the keynote and I was going, if only. <laughs> <laughs> But you see, you, you can only order within the, the agreed parameters, right? Yep. So this is that, that wonderful spot between I got engineer to order over here and the next point of our conversation, which is make to stock. Everyone gets the vanilla off the, off the assembly line. There's no options, right? So you understand that when it comes to products because you went through that with the iPad acquisition, yep. right? And if there was only one iPad, that would be make to stock. But no, the ideal in this case is assemble to order. The same thing can be applied to a process. For example... If I have an assemble-to-order process, here are the sacred things that must always be consistent. It must have the same flow, the same role, the same policy, the same KPI. But you know what? You can go above that with adding your own tools. You can go above that by adding unique metrics. So you can even have core and additional within a process design concept, mm. assemble-to-order. Or I, sometimes I need a process to be the consistent process across all functional groups. Everyone must do change management the same way. So here's the conversation, both from a service and or process perspective, is that today, most services internally developed and most processes, IT management processes, are all on this engineered order. We call that a craft. It's all at craft level. And it's if it's your desire to leave it all at craft, then 
If you accept the risk and the cost of what that means, fine. But when I speak to business people and I say, do you really believe that you should leave all your services as custom and all your processes as craft, you can afford to do that Mm -hmm. risk-wise, legislatively-wise, and cost-wise. So this puts the whole concept of where we turn the dial and what, what things need to be where on this dial is a business decision. Yep. So this comes to the services we're taking orders for through the channels of demand, but it also comes from a process perspective. Yep. So today, in my opinion, based on all those assessments I've personally done or been involved with, almost everything is at craft level, engineer to order. And that is a high, high cost to bear. Well, I didn't realize how many things in an organization were at craft level until I listened to you say this. And just recently, you know, I, I hate to turn this into a very personal thing, but I guess that's why people listen. But um, we rolled out a marketing service catalog internally. So I'm in the marketing department. People want stuff from us. Hey, you know, I want this, I want that, which is kind of cool because now they can just go through, you know, it's kind of like one place to, to go for everything. But again, you know, if, you know, I would never tell this to, to the people I work with, but it all is craft order. No matter what they click through this catalog, someone literally is going to recreate that. Yeah. So you don't have standard offers. So you go through a lot of churn just to develop an offer yep. as well as to support it afterwards. Well, we develop an offer only to turn around and make it bespoke every single time. Yeah. Then you're engineered to order. And if you can mm. bear the cost and risk what that means, I'll be it. I mean, this is the same thing as service-oriented architecture, right? That's trying to come up with a, a, a group of code, a module of code for shopping cart. And every time we have a shopping cart need, we use that same module right. as opposed to have three developers develop a shopping cart in their own image. Mm. That's the concept of assembled order, SOA. It's a lot of work to get to that level. I mean, to, to, it seems, okay, so I guess it comes back to your, your point about, you know, um, this craft to order. It's it's a lot of work. To, if, you, if you've got the resources, obviously it's not, not that bad. But it, it makes me wonder, what's more work, to overcome that mentality or to stay in that mentality? You've hit a major point. To move beyond engineer to order, you have to have the organization and cultural will to do it. And that's the primary constraint right there. Because everyone wants to be an artist. <laughs> that should be the name of the show. <laughs> everyone wants to be an artist. Steve, yes. Steve Bell and I are collaborating on a book about lean IT and and I like to use the manufacturing models that we're talking about right now. Uh-huh. He says, oh, don't do that because IT professionals really don't like being referred to or compared to a manufacturing concepts. I'm going, why? <laughs> because, well, it's because we're all artists. We prefer to be craftsmen as opposed to um, line workers. It's true. It's true. I just last week, I had someone at my, at my company said to me, Chris, you know, it's great that we're doing X, Y, and Z, but that's two days of your time that you could be producing X, Y, and Z. And I went off. <laughs> I'm like, I am not a, you know, Lucy on the conveyor belt. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a chocolatier. But, you know, the you funny know? <laughs> thing is you work for a SaaS organization, and one of the premises of SaaS is, is creating standard offers. <laughs> I know, I know. But it was really funny because it all comes home to roost. Because here I am talking to, you know, my boss saying, do not refer to me as, you know, an a, a assembly line person. I am a, you know, I make chocolate, you know. And I don't know. You just made me feel all awkward now that I was mean to him. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, we have a culture of being research and development. But in reality, most of IT is now utility. We are the manufacturing line of business outcome. When all business outcomes are digital, when it all comes down to data and systems. We're not R&D. Yes, there is some R&D in what we do, 
but 90% of what we do is utility. You're making me feel like it, in 20 years we'll all be batteries in the matrix. Well, we are, we are part of the system for delivering business outcome. And when you're part of that dependency, you have to operate under different rules. So I guess a battery never thinks it's more than a battery. We're all part of a, a larger value system, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a wise book that says, do not think of yourself more highly than thou art. <laughs> oh, we have, d- yes, yes, okay. <laughs> Troy, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure and I could go on for days, but it's time for Troy's Thunderbolt Tip of the Day! Okay. Remember, Chris, establishing formal, tiered, and managed channels for demand is critical for business and IT strategy integration. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Everybody, put down your paintbrushes, pick up your your your, your tool set, and get to work. We will see you in two weeks, our episode 24. Thanks so much, Troy. I appreciate it. All right, Chris. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>